Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. First Peter chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, if you're joining us online or at one of our campuses, Rossville Dalton, thank you so much for tuning in there as well. We're so thrilled you're engaged with us no matter uh, where you are. Thank you for uh, doing it today. Well, First Peter chapter 1, I started a sermon series last week. I'll be in it most of the summer called Faith Under Fire, Living for Christ in a Hostile Culture. That's why First Peter was written. It was a hostile culture. And Peter was writing to the church on how to comport themselves during a hostile time. I took you through last week that Peter wrote this during the reign of Nero and what was going to happen during Nero's reign and after that. And uh, then there were uh, several other emperors beyond that that were bringing persecution to the church. And so it already moved into this church at Rome that Peter was writing to. And so how do they deal with it? Well, It's very important for us to understand what Peter was saying to the church in this situation because the culture is now turning on us as well. Here in America, North America, Europe and places, the the culture is becoming very severely anti-Christian. And I'm trying every week just to show you a little bit of how the culture is turning against us last week. It was fairly easy with the Target news. This week has really been going on for a couple of weeks. I don't, I don't know how, how many of you have seen this with the L.A. Dodgers um, are having Pride Night on June the 16th. But a controversy was sparked because weeks ahead of the event, they uninvited the organization, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, Then after backlash, invited them again. If you were like me, and you're wondering what is the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, I'll let you know right off the bat, it ain't sisters. The group is a nonprofit organization that has been fundraising and volunteering for the LGBTQ community for over 30 years. They dress as Catholic nuns, men dress as Catholic nuns, which as you can imagine doesn't sit well with Catholics. Backlash uh, to the event uh, led to them being canceled, but then because the Dodgers were the target of the LGBTQ plus community, they reversed their decision. Now, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence is self-described as an order of queer and trans nuns that started in 1979. According to their website, their mission is community service, get this, ministry and outreach to those on the edges and to promoting human rights, respect for diversity and spiritual alignment. Let me, let me just say this. Uh, you need to know trigger words when you hear them in our culture um, because it's real unpopular not to be for diversity. But here's what I find uh, amusing is that they're for diversity as long as your diversity only includes them. They're not for our diversity or our way of thinking or our biblical worldview. They don't want us to have 
us, um, they wouldn't fight for our diversity is what I'm trying to say, or our inclusion. Their calling card is an imitation of Roman Catholic nuns, but with a twist. Their motto is go forth and sin some more. Go forth and sin some more. Now, I find this interesting, and I don't, I don't have time to uh, spend a lot of time on this, uh, but just to show you how the system is against us. I went online and tried to Google and find a video that perhaps I could put up here. Now, let me just say this. Once I found the video, it's not anything I can show in a church service or even in mixed company for that matter. But it's interesting that on Google, I literally Google, largest, most visited website in the world, I could not find a video of their performance. Do you know why? They don't want us to see it. They want us to fight for it and defend it, but they don't want us to really know what's going on at these performances. So I actually had to go to Twitter and did a search on Twitter and found a video of one of their performances, which is one of the most godless things you'll ever see in your life. That they're bringing to a baseball game with the little kids at it. So their motto is go and sin some more. Sister Roma, again, who's a male, describes themselves as the most photographed nun in the world, said this about the Dodgers uninviting them. Now, of course, the Dodgers invited them back, but about uninviting them. And I want you to hear the language here. So disappointing to see the Dodgers cave to the conservative pseudo-Christian homophobes. The weaponizing of religion is exactly what the L.A. drag nuns and San Francisco sisters have been protesting for decades. Now, I want you to hear, again, how Christians are described. Conservative, pseudo-Christian homophobes, which is not an accurate description of us. So here's what our culture is trying to tell Christians— that if you have any moral value whatsoever, you should lose your voice in society and culture. If you have any moral compunction at all, you should be silenced, and some groups are even calling for our deaths, because they hate the Bible that we believe. People did come to the rescue. Uh, Mike Pence, former vice president, wrote a letter to the Dodgers. Marco Rubio wrote a letter to the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw, probably the most famous pitcher for the Dodgers, uh, came out and opposed this. Blake Trennan, a pitcher for the Dodgers, released a strong, strong statement against the Dodgers hosting this Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence group. So it's with that backdrop in our culture, that we are pseudo-conservative Christian homophobes is how we're being described. I want to preach on this subject today that Peter said to the church, be holy. Now, I want to be honest, I'm, in, I'm covering an impossible amount of verses today, so just hang with me and... Um, uh, let me, let me preach quickly today. How, how, 
What is Peter saying to us in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25? He's trying to get this point across, that the way to let other people know you follow Christ is to let them see how you follow Christ. Peter talks about that in these 12 verses that we're looking at today, these 13 verses we're looking at today. Peter's letting us know that the visual aspect of your walk with God, you would say, well, my walk with God's private. It's not meant to be private. Your, Your walk with God is meant to be very public. It's meant to be on display so a lost and dying world can see it. And so Peter talks about that, about them seeing our walk with God. And so I want to walk us through that today. I saw this report coming up the, uh, uh, the other day about this generation and envy, that this is a very envious generation. About 80% of people younger than 30 reported feeling envious in the last year. By ages 50 and over, that figure was down to 69%, but was still 69% at ages 50 and over. Young people reported more frequently feeling envious over looks and romance, as well as achievement at school and uh, social success. 40% of participants under 30 said they envied others for their success and romance, while fewer than 15% of those over 50 said the same. Why, why do I tell you that? Why do, uh, yeah, we're jealous sometimes, we're envious sometimes, but look what we're envious over. We're envious over worldly success, we're envious over romance and relationships. What no one is envying in the culture is our spiritual life and our walk with God. What Peter was trying to tell this church at Rome is that that's what you want people to be envious of. That's what you want people to be jealous of. You want them to want what you have. And if you're having a hard time getting people to buy into your Christianity, there's not a problem with Christ. There could be a problem with you. It could be the Christ and the Christianity that we're putting on display for the world to see. And in a hostile culture where our faith is under fire, listen, the world still desperately needs what we have, and if they see it lived out in us, they desperately will want what we have. And Peter told us how to do it, that we cannot impact our culture if we are conforming to our culture. So if you're in college, if you're in high school, if you're an adult on the job or in your family, it'll be your holiness that will make them envy your walk with God. It'll be your holiness that will make them long for the spiritual life that you have. There is not a way to impact the culture when we are living and acting and thinking and talking and looking just like the culture. What will make you stand out, what will make all of us stand out, is holiness. And before I go further into the sermon, I want to define what holiness is. It's not the only way to define it, but it's a good definition of holiness. What is holiness? It is a separation from the culture that includes a dedication to God, living in moral excellence and obedience to the Word of God. Holiness was used in the temple uh, artifacts in the Old Testament, the temple items in the Old Testament, where those items, whether it be a fork, a tray, a lampstand, whatever it may have been, they were set apart, apart from uncleanness, and they were dedicated to the work of God. Holiness is the exact same for you and I. Holiness is when we are separated from uncleanness of the culture, but yet we're dedicated 
to living in moral excellence and obedience to the word of God. That's our backdrop of holiness. If we'll do that, one thing will impact the culture. The reason we aren't impacting the culture is now is that they're hearing one message from us and they're seeing another. They're hearing one message out of our mouths, but they're seeing another message out of our lives. And so Peter said, as we close out the book of 1 Peter, it was an admonition for us to be holy so that a culture can see what it's like and the difference living for Jesus makes. So would you stand with me in honor of reading God's Word? And I want us to read 1 Peter chapter 1 and beginning in verse number 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, look beginning in verse number 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be Conform to the desire of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, since you've purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly." Because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of glass. The grass withers and the flower uh, falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Thank you. You may be seated. What does it mean when our faith is under fire, when Peter is telling us to be holy? Let me, let me do an impossible task. Let me cover these 13 verses in 15 minutes, and let me try to get uh, the point of cross. Listen, I, I'm well aware, and I'm just saying this because you can read your Bible and see it. There's five verses in those 13 sermons, but I want to try to uh, paint with br- uh, a broad brush today. Let me tell you three things he would want us to know about this. Number one, he would say this, get your mind right. How do I be holy? You be holy by getting your mind right. Now, there are several phrases that he uses here in these verses that I want to point out very quickly. First of all, he said, get your minds ready for action. Some some translations say, gird up the loins of your mind. The word there is a Greek word that was used when men wore robes in Peter's time, and they would, if they were going to run, they would pick their robe up off the ground. So you can imagine wearing a long dress. They would pick their robe up off the ground and they would tuck it in their belt all the way around so that they could run faster and the robe would not get in the way. Here's what, here's how the idiom was used in that day. We, we have a different idiom that we use that means the exact same thing. Here's the day what we say, roll up your sleeves and get ready to work. Gird up your loins minds ready for action. It's, it's roll up your sleeves and get ready to work. 
that, that Peter was telling us that holiness requires a mind that is ready for action, that is ready for the onslaught of the culture, that's ready for the onslaught of the enemy. He, he goes on to say this, that we are to be sober-minded. Now, does he mean we shouldn't be drunk? Yes, he absolutely means that, but the word means much more than that. The word sober-minded there would mean don't come under the influence of anything that would take you away from Christ. Make sure you keep all of your mental faculties fully operational. Maybe I could say it this way and it'd make the most sense. Avoid being intoxicated with the culture. Avoid being drunk on the culture. And so he says, have your minds ready for action. Roll up your sleeves and get ready for the onslaught of the culture. Don't be intoxicated with the culture. And then he he says this, what do I do with my mind? You set your hope completely on the grace of God. That is, we are to fix our minds and our thoughts on the future, the coming of Jesus and the culmination of our salvation. That's what should dominate our thinking, not temporary worldly amusements. And then he goes on to say this, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. The word conformed there in the Greek is only found here and in Romans 12 too. And of course we love Romans uh, um, Thursday morning, I talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2 with the men just for a second. And you know Romans 12, 20, 12 2, and don't be conformed to the, uh, uh, I have to quote verse 1. Um, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in God. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. We see it in the same context right there in Romans 12 2. Don't be conformed to the world. And, and, and so, so Paul's, Peter says the same thing Paul said. Don't be conformed to the desires of your for, former ignorance. Now here's what Paul said. Paul said, don't let your minds be conformed to the thinking of the culture. Peter takes it a step more personal. And Peter says, don't let your minds be conformed to the ignorant way you used to think. Because without Christ, we don't see things clearly. So Peter says this, don't be conformed to the thinking of the culture that's around you. Now listen, listen, we see it today. Our faith is so under fire that the world around us is trying to force us into thought conformity with how they think and how they operate. So here's another way that Peter could have said it. Don't let the culture squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the culture squeeze you into its mental processes. The holiness you need to survive, your faith being under fire, will require you to have your mind right and not be squeezed into the mold of the thinking of this world because hear me, they are trying to do it. Every piece of uh, of uh, news nearly that comes out is propaganda trying to get you to squeeze in your your thinking into the mold of this culture. And when I spend too much time listening and watching the culture, they will be the ones. They will be the ones that control my thinking in my mind. And listen, I'll wind up drunk on the philosophy of the culture. I'll wind up intoxicated 
on the philosophy of the culture. And the more time I let my mind dwell in the culture and not dwell with God, the more my thought processes are going to sound like Satan. More than they sound like God. Don't let the culture squeeze you into mold. Get your mind right. Have, have you ever heard of sociogenic illness? Harvard studied sociogenic illnesses where multiple people, multiple people in a social group develop similar medically inexplicable and often bizarre symptoms. L- l- listen to this. Uh, it's the development of identical physical or emotional symptoms among a group of people as seen in a classroom or school children. In other words, everyone in the same social circle gets sick, but it's not physically transmitted. It is socially or emotionally driven. Now we're seeing it being caused by social media. We saw this phenomenon just a little while ago. The first known examples of social media-induced sociogenic illness were recognized in the last year or two. Neurologists begin seeing increasing numbers of patients, especially teenage girls, with unusual involuntary movements and vocalizations reminiscent of Tourette syndrome. After ruling out other explanation, the ticks in these teenagers seem related to too many hours spent watching TikTok videos of people who report having Tourette syndrome and other movement disorders posted by social media influencers. These videos have billions of page views on TikTok. So here's what happened. Girls started watching other people with the illness and they started mimicking the illness, the symptoms in their life. And it wasn't physical. It happened through social media influence, emotional influence in their life. And so they wound up with a sociogenic illness. They were literally sick from social media influence. Now all the mamas and daddies in the room want to say, that's right, but hold on, I got something for you too. Research shows that one in six adults have a severe, severely problematic news addictions. News addiction. News addicts were significantly more likely to experience poor physical and mental health than those who are less obsessed with the news. Now listen, I'm, I'm about to blow your mind. I mean, you, you need to pay attention. Uh, this this life-altering stuff. Almost three-quarters with severe levels of problematic news consumption experience mental ill-being. Mental ill-being. Quite a bit or very much compared, get this, with 8% of people overall. So people are addicted to the news, 75% of them have severe mental well-being compared with just 8% of the overall population. The study also found that more than three in five, 61% news addicts were experienced physical ill-being, quite a bit or very much, compared with just 6% of the rest of the population. So listen to me, listen to me. Kids are getting it on social media. Adults are getting it off CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. You say, well, how do I know if I have a news addiction? If it's on at your house all the time, you have a news addiction. You say, what do I do instead? <laughs> read, read this. Can I tell you what reading this does? It doesn't give you mental or physical problems. But here's what's happening. Pay attention. When you fill your mind with the culture... It makes you sick. 
It doesn't matter if you're a teenage girl hooked on TikTok or if you're a grown adult hooked on the news. If you fill your mind with the culture, it makes you sick and you wind up conforming to them in more ways than one. That is not holiness. Holiness happens when your mind is ready for battle. Holiness happens when you're not filled and intoxicated with worldly thoughts and thinking. Holiness happens when your mind is fixated on the coming of Jesus and the salvation of Christ. Holiness happens when you're not being squeezed into the culture's way of thinking. Ask yourself this morning, how do you think differently than everybody else? Even your mind ought to operate differently than the world's mind operates. Do you care about the same causes they care about? Do you use the same language they use? Do your opinions reflect the opinions of the culture? Listen, if Peter would have stepped into this pulpit, he would say, sober up. Get your mind ready for spiritual battle. Because when you step outside this door this morning, the world is trying to shove you into a mold and say, we've all got to think this way. Holiness says you've got to get your mind right. Number two, holiness says this, you've got to get your life right. So Paul uses some key phrases in verses 15 through 21. For example, he says, be you holy. It is a command separated from the culture and dedicated to God. He says some other things that we need to pay attention to. For example, he said we need to worry about the one who judges impartially according to every man's work. Here's what he's saying. Can I put that in layman's terms today? That at judgment time, there will be no excuses. You are responsible for you. You say, but yeah, my daddy messed me up. You will be responsible for you, but my mama messed me up. You will be responsible for you. Yeah, but I was born here or did this. You will be responsible for you at judgment day. He says, conduct yourself in reverence, living as strangers. The word reverence there is the very familiar Greek word phobos. It is fear. He tells us, remember that we are ambassadors for Christ here. Hear me this morning. Hear me. You are not a citizen of this culture. You are an ambassador of heaven. Then he goes on to say, Oh, there's such, I, I, I want to preach a whole sermon here. I just don't have time. He said, you are redeemed from your empty way of life. First of all, a life that is a slave to the culture in vain, a fruitless, empty, non-rewarding life. Can I tell you, if you fall into the culture's mold, it is a fruitless, empty, non-rewarding life. The word redeemed there is such a great word. Let me take the word back, and you know it is a very Christian word, and it is, but it was, it was a secular word as well in the day. The word redeemed there was used in Greco-Roman culture to refer to the, to the manumission of a slave or the liberation of a slave. Now, let me tell you what would happen. Here's where the word was used. The slave would receive his or her freedom after depositing money in the temple of a god or goddess. Money which would then be paid via the temple's treasury minus a commission to the slave's owner with the thought that the god or goddess was buying the slave. The former slave would then be free in the eyes of the former owner and society, 
but would be considered a slave of the god or goddess. The sum of money paid for the redemption was referred to as the price, which is the wording we see here. And the slave was considered to have been redeemed by the deity. So I don't have time to preach all this, but a slave could go to the temple of Artemis, the temple of Diana, and there they could pay a sum, a liberation sum, a manumission sum that would free them. And they could go and pay that sum. And then the temple would go to the slave's owner and they would pay that redeeming price to the slave owner, minus the commission, pay the redeeming price, and then the slave was free in the eyes of society, and the slave was free in the eyes of the owner. But get this, the slave was then to be considered a slave of the God who redeemed them. And that is the word. And Peter says this, that you've been redeemed from your empty way of life. But what was the price of my redemption? He goes on to say it. The price of my redemption was the precious blood of Jesus. And because it was Jesus' blood, here's what he said. Get your life right. Because you were redeemed with the blood of Christ, it requires that, our, that we get our living right and realize that we are redeemed with a, the precious blood of Christ. And we are but strangers here and pilgrims here and ambassadors here. And so here's what Peter's urging us to do. Don't act like the culture that we're living in physically. Act like a citizen of heaven. And he told us how to do it. He said, be your own judge. Go through your own life and compare it to the Word of God. You say, well, compared to everybody else, I'm a pretty good person. You're not to compare yourself to everybody else. It's a false comparison. You compare it to the Word of God. And Paul said it this way. Paul said, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Do yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? But Paul was trying to tell you to do the same thing, that you examine yourself. How do I examine myself? You examine yourself by the Word of God. And here's what God wants you to do. God is saying this, I bought you. You're mine. And the price of my redemption was my own blood. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to act like a citizen of heaven. I bought your life, and I want, to act, I want you to act like you're a slave to Christ. We, uh, Jack's had his first birthday, fourth birthday party. He was in, um, I, I kept calling him Robin Hood. I was trying to man it up a little bit, but it's Peter Pan. He's in a Peter Pan phase. Um, and I, I literally just accidentally called him Robin Hood a bunch of times, but he'd, he'd very quickly correct me. And this phase lasted about two weeks, and then he moved on to, I think he went to Hulk, and now we're at Thor uh, after that. But um, uh, this is phase, and so I, I can't. I didn't get a good video. I didn't get a good picture of it. But he, here's the point I'm making: Jack's got more toys for his four-year-old birthday party than I got my entire life. My entire life. Now, that's because my wife is his DD, so that helps a lot, and you know, first grandchild kind of stuff. And we're sitting here, and Jack slowly opened every present, and very deliberately after that present, looked at who it was, and said, thank you from the bottom of his heart. He was so thankful. But can I tell you this? You, you, know, what the, you know what the best way we're told thank you for everything my wife buys for Jack? You know, how, you know the best way we're told thank you? Is Michaela will take a video 
of him playing with what we got him and send it to us and say, he loves this toy. Um, Savannah did it uh, just this weekend with a toy she had bought Lucas. And, and, and matter of fact, she'd bought the toy, I think, for Christmas. It's been a while back. And she sent us a photo of Lucas playing with the toy. And, and there's no greater reward for the purchaser than to know what you purchase is being put to use. And there is no greater reward for Christ than to know that the salvation, the redemption that he purchased with his own blood is being put to use and you're living your life in service of him. And Peter said, you have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Take a moment to examine your life and compare it to the word of God, not to the culture. Listen, if you're comparing your life to the culture, you're always going to be in good shape. You don't compare your life to the culture. You compare your life to the word of God. And Peter and Paul both told us, examine your life and then, then you correct and adjust your life. You know what correcting and adjusting your life is called? It's called repentance in the Bible. That when I, when I read the Bible and I see where my life needs adjusted according to the word of God, when I correct and adjust my life, that's called repentance. And I remember every day, that Jesus died for me so I could get my life right. There's no greater gift you can give Christ than for you to honor the gift he gave you of his own precious blood that saved you. How are you doing with that today? Have you grabbed the grace of God and just done your own thing and lived your own life? Peter said, that's, that's not how we live a holy life. That's not how the world, if you grab hold of the grace of God and then act like the culture, it's spitting in the face of the one who saved you. So number one, he said, get your mind right if you want to be holy. Number two, get your life right if you want to be holy. And then number three, he said, get your heart right. If you want to be holy. Peter tells them that in this culture they should, that's a strong word, from a pure heart love one another constantly. Did you know holiness includes how you treat other people? Jesus, Jesus told us this. He, he let us in in that chapter in John 14, 13. He said, I give you a New command, love one another. Just as I've loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have loved one another. How do we show the world our Christian faith? Our love for other people. Our love specifically for our brothers and sisters, but it can be applied even beyond that. The love that we have for a lost and dying world, not to approve of their lifestyle, but to share Jesus with them, the love we have for one another. 
tells the whole world that we are our that we are his disciples. Well, how do we get our heart so right that we treat others well and live for Jesus? Again, it's a whole sermon. I don't have to say it. But verses 23 through 25 tell us this. The, we're back to the living and enduring word of God. How do I get my heart softened so I can love my enemies? How do I get my heart softened so that I can love those people around me and love my brothers and sisters in Christ? It is the living and enduring word of God. If you get your heart right, it'll be you getting into the word of God and living out what God puts on your heart. Here's what James said it this way. He said, but he does the word, not hears only, deceiving your own selves. Here's what he would tell us to do. That, listen, Peter was making the same application that if you want to love constantly, there's only way to, one way to do that. That is, hear the word of God and heed the word of God. Oftentimes, here have people say to me, you can close your Bibles, I'm finished. Oftentimes, have people say to me stuff like this. Uh, it scares me death. People say, Preacher, like you said in that sermon the other day, and then they'll quote me. And the problem is, I didn't say anything like what they just said I said. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Wouldn't even on it. Sometimes I go home and tell my wife, and I'm like, hey, I got to go back and listen to that sermon. I don't think I said that. And she's like, no, you didn't say that. And I'm like, well, they heard me say it. And sometimes I attribute that to the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit's working in somebody's heart and life, and the Holy Spirit's translating what they need to hear based on what I say, and I love that. That's a work of God going on that I can't do, you know, I just sit back in amazement at, sit back in amazement at. Sometimes I think they're on TikTok while I'm preaching, not paying any attention at all what I said. But sometimes, listen, sometimes they say this, I hear people say all, all, all the time, well, it's, um, um, uh, they'll say, you know, like the Bible says, and the Bible doesn't say that. There's no Bible verse that says that. It reminded me of this story. Stand with me, I'm finished. It reminded me of this story. I saw it the other day. Let me read a little bit. The city of Newark, New Jersey, thought they were getting a partnership with the sister nation, Kalisa. All right, so follow this story. Earlier this year, 2023, Mayor Ross Baraka invited what he thought was the Hindu nation of Kalisa to Newark City Hall for a cultural trade agreement. But it turns out Kalisa is no nation at all. It's a fake. Though it has a detailed website, Kalisa has no real government. It's the brainchild of a guy named Swami Nithyananda, a notorious scam artist and fugitive from India who has been on the run for rape charges since 2019. And here's what the news article said. Whose job was it to do a simple Google search? Not one in City Hall, not one person did a Google search. So maybe we need a transformation of City Hall because not one person said, let me go and Google and figure out this was a fake city, a resident said. I, I love that story so much. Because look, this was them. They were all geared up for the meeting. I said meeting on purpose, but for the meeting. And, and it's all fake. It's all fake. Not one person thought to look up what was right. And they got scammed. Hear me. You're getting scammed by this culture because you won't do a simple Bible search. 
You say, but preacher, this person treated me wrong. Love one another constantly. Yeah, but I've heard this person said this about me. Love one another constantly. Yeah, but you know, this love one another constantly. If you'll just take the time in your life, you want to be holy? Let me tell you how to be holy. You get your mind right. You get your life right. You get your heart right. And here's how you do it. You just take the time to look up what God says. And then do what God says. And you can be holy and stand out from the culture. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Our pastors are coming. If you're here today. You know, I've never heard a message on holiness where I wasn't challenged in my relationship with Jesus. And the truth is what happens for us is um, we start to let little things go in our lives and those things become big things and pretty soon we're desensitized um, to the speaking of the Holy Spirit in our lives and, 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 and we just need to be brought back to center. Did you know that God, when people focus on holiness and making things right in their life, God sends revival to that person and that people. And um, maybe you've been convicted by the message that Pastor Joel preached this morning and by the Word of God. And, um, and you just need to do business with God. There's some things that you've let go in your life, like maybe for you it's um, some things you watch or some things you listen to or maybe it's friends you hang out with. I won't give you the list. Let God give you the list this morning. Maybe there's some things that you need to put off for the sake of holiness in your relationship with Jesus. The truth is this, holiness is unattainable for you without the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. And if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, um, that's your first step. It begins with you understanding that your sin has separated you from God. Happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were the first sinners. Ever since then, we've all been born with a sin nature. You've got it, I've got it, and there's nothing we can do about it. We've got to be willing to admit that. We've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, conquering sin, death, and hell for you and for me. We've got to believe that. And then we've got to confess Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. And in confessing Him as our personal Lord and Savior, effectively, this is what we're saying. I don't want to be in charge of my life anymore. I want Jesus to be in control of my life. If you're ready to take that step this morning, here's what you got to do. Tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that He was buried, that He rose again the third day, paying the penalty for my sin. And Lord, right now, through the power of Your Holy Spirit, I ask You to come into my heart, take away my sin, be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to You in Jesus' name. Hey, listen to me. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning, welcome to the family. Uh, there's no greater decision that you could ever make than the one that you made just now. And we want to help you. We want to help you take next steps. Um, we want to help you. We want to send you some information that are, is going to help you on your faith journey with Jesus. And so, if you would, right now, if you just prayed to receive Christ, I want you to pull out your cell phone. And I want you to text just your name, your first name and last name, to my cell phone number which is 423-800-1871.
just send your first name and last name to that number. I'm going to connect with you um, this week, and I'm going to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. Hey, it's been awesome to be together. Look forward to our time next week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.